welcome to the Mind Chimp Podcast. Hey Ben, welcome to the Mind Chimp Podcast. How are we doing? Great, how are you? I'm wonderfully well, I'm wonderfully well. The sun is shining so I can't complain. I don't think I can anyway. No, not in England. No. <laughs> Very nice. This is it. Like, we only get four or five days, right? So we need to make the most out of it. <laughs> so, so Ben, I guess with, with my guests, when I get them on the show, the first thing I tend to ask them is, what is their, their tagline, their logline? And, and do you know what yours is? Logline? I've never really thought about this in those terms before, but I suppose... Um, I'd say very much uh, an employee experience explorer. Oh, nice. Nice. I like that. I'm, I guess we'll jump into that in just a sec. Um, however, what I want to do first is I want to just fire some quick, um, yeah, some quick words at you. And I, I want you to just tell me what comes to mind when I say these. <laughs> oh, dear. Are you a psychologist? <laughs> Here's a couple of pictures of just some black dots and tell me what you see. No. Um... <laughs> a butterfly. It's always a butterfly. <laughs> Or a bat. Yeah. Oh, that was Batman, wasn't it? <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So the first one, employee experience. Employee experience. Everything. Okay. Culture. National. HR. Change. Values and behaviours. Critical. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for that. So... When you was in school, Ben, and the teacher would say to you, Ben, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was it you would say to that teacher? Uh, I went through an evolution on this. I started off as an ice cream van driver. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was fixated on the ice cream vans when I was a kid for you know, obvious reasons. We like ice cream. Uh, from there, I progressed to a professional rugby league player. And uh, I kind of pursued that with all the vigor that I could between the ages of eight and 16 and I was doing okay. Uh, but, uh, the talent didn't stretch so far. So, um, then I had to seriously reconsider everything about my life. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so tell me a little bit about the tagline. So you, you mentioned you kind of want to, you know, um, an employee experience explorer. So, so yeah, maybe break that, break that down for me a little bit. Well, for me, so I, I started off in customer experience, um, when I was uh, young and developed a real interest in people and, and customer experiences. And, you know, those first few roles I had were very interesting, just observing human behavior, the way people responded to emotions, their backgrounds, the decisions they took in, in, in moments within the customer experience. So I looked at the customers, but I also looked at the way professionals were dealing with that. So that kind of grew my fascination with people and humans. And I thought, you know, where's best to apply my trade around that. And um, that's what led me to uh, human resources. So from there, it's just, it's just been a kind of um, a long-term exploration of employee experiences in a wide variety of organizations globally and locally. Uh, I've worked internally for a long part of my career, uh, but the last few years I've been out and about looking some of the world's biggest organizations, but also some of the, the high growth organizations as well. So understanding what they're doing differently in some cases, but what, what needs to change in other cases. So really, that's where I would come from in terms of an employee experience explorer. It's a genuine and sincere interest that I have. So it becomes something more of a, a lifestyle choice than a, a profession. Oh, nice. 
Nice. So I think I came across you originally. You know, we've we've talked back and forth on on LinkedIn over over a while now. But I think I came across you through Mike Collins, and he was at River Island, and I think you was you was doing some work there or something like that. But ever since then, I've kind of always kind of kept up with what you kind of up to and whatnot. But I guess, and and that's kind of what's. So I I, I kind of see I've been doing employee experience before it became cool. And I didn't know I was doing it. And 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 then I kind of looked at people who were doing it really well, i.e. you, and kind of followed you and kept up to date. But I guess my question, this first question really is kind of looking at exper- employee experience now, where, what, what are the top challenges you see with maybe, you know, given how much you can talk about your clients and NDAs and whatnot. But yeah, what's, what's the biggest challenges you see within employee experience at the moment? Well, for me, I mean, the evolution over the last few years has been really tremendous um, everywhere. So I've traveled to uh, 16, 17 countries now. So I've got a, a first-hand take on and look at what organizations are doing and uh, where the initial pain points are within that employee journey. I think a large part of it is, is understanding what it is in the first place. So I think you've seen uh, a lot of pivots from organizations, um, customer experience, communications, branding, employee engagement. I think there's been a, a massive rebrand of uh, tech firms as well to focus more on the employee experience and delivering value. So I think that's been a big change and people are still getting around with that, getting around that. Um, but for practitioners, I think the big thing is, yeah, understanding what it is in the first place. How do we move the needle on the employee experience? Where do we focus first within the employee journey? Uh, and then having to deal with this completely new uh, mindset which employee experiences, because traditionally, if you've had a narrow focus within a specialism, whether it's learning and development, HR, estates, marketing, IT, that's been your kind of where you focused. But now we're saying experiences are on top of the organizational agenda. That really cuts across all departments and functions and responsibilities um, and politics and accountability. All that stuff comes into play when you're trying to sort out, okay, who's doing what? And how do we work together as, say, one unified coalition or team uh, to propel the employee experience forward and de- develop the things that employees want you to develop, as opposed to just, you know, bringing in new technology because it makes sense to the business when actually it doesn't make any sense to uh, to employees. I think a good example of that recently was uh, the digital interviews. So our organization is saying this is very efficient and uh, we're doing great and this is very well done project use of technology. Uh, but when you look at the candidate experience, no one actually wants it. They prefer, you know, I think, 91% of a recent survey from the BBC said, we want human contact. So I think balancing all these priorities, balancing humans and technology. Uh, I did a piece uh, today for The Economist, and it, it's, it is balancing that human and technology piece. And some will go overboard focusing on the technology because it's, it's nice, it's new, it's shiny, and it looks good, and it feels like you're doing it. Others will go up all out on the human experience. So it's getting that balance right. So I guess kind of going right back to, I mean, you, you, you talk about kind of moving the needle, but how, how how do we do that? I mean, you know, on one hand, you've got the great ideas of the business. I mean, you've, it's a bit like this Instagram versus reality, right? You've got the great ideas. I mean, you've got the business where they kind of got so much hierarchy and, 
and legacy systems and legacy processes and stuff like that how how do we how do we even start how do we even start this change i think the big thing is getting all the touch point owners so the people who are essentially accountable for architecting or designing the employee experience uh, together in some form um, and looking at how they operate as a as a unit across the, the entire employee journey. I think that's a big thing. So some are uh, forming their own uh, departments around this, employee experience teams, where they bring into uh, into that function as many touch points as possible. So real estates, catering, uh, internal comms, learning and development, HR, uh, technology, all these different touch points. And then we can have a, an accountable strategic leader that, that is responsible, very close to the board to, to move, move these areas forward. So I think that's one approach. The other approach is this, this coalition of experience where you are creating more of a, you know, it's co-creation at its finest when you're working on the alignment and accountability between all these uh, professionals. Uh, so I think that's where most start. In reality, I'd like to see organizations get more, much closer to employees very, very quickly to understand their employee experience projects. Because I think we're still in that situation where um, you develop something, at, at maybe a central HQ, and then you go out and talk to employees about what you've actually created. Whereas I think if we're doing employee experience true to its nature, which is, you know, it's all about humans, then I would bring them into the process much earlier and um, work work from there. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of challenges in there, but there's a lot of opportunities to create some really great work um, really quite quickly with this um, this new approach. So this, this is fascinating for me, I guess. Two weeks ago, I, I created an article on LinkedIn. I, was, I talked about this kind of chief experience officer and, and actually how we need to start building experiences from the, exactly how you've just said it, basically exactly from the customer or the employee and then these I, I, I kind of put into this this nano micro macro experience and actually this kind of they all have a domino effect on one another and you have to start from this very human-centered approach and this human-centered design and design from that experience outwards i guess so it's 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 awesome to really say that i guess the the thing what i'm struggling with i guess is when we you know our people, our customers, if you like, if you put into the customer experience, they want this uber-personalized experience now. And in one hand, you can give that, but in the other hand, you've got to say, right, well, I need this data to be able to give you this uber-personalized experience. How, how do we judge, how do we manage that as a business, maybe? I think a big, a big frame of reference for employee experience is expectation management. So I think understanding what consumers actually want uh, what customers are, are actually saying and then bringing that detail into the employee experience is is a very good thing to do. And there's a company in Australia where they've been on my radar for a long time, an engineering firm, and they they went out and asked their clients, you know, what are the attributes? What are the, the types of people that you want us to bring together within our organization to best serve and meet your needs and go beyond your expectations? So they did that research and brought it all back into the employee experience. And that's the way they designed it holistically. And uh, yeah, they're now one of the top workplaces in Australia and doing some great things within that sector. But I think it's that, that's still a radical approach, I've got to say. Much of the economy just doesn't get it at that level of depth or maturity from the get-go. So to see someone doing that, going out to customers saying, 
know, what are you telling us and how can we utilize that within the employee experience? Uh, but I see other examples as well within the third sector, charity sectors of, of companies not second guessing or, or trying to presume they know employees and, and what they want. You know, HR is not there to be the voice of the employee. Employees have their own voice in my view. So it's a case of getting that, that voice as closely connected to your work as, as possible. One example springs to mind, they did a hackathon, which I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, but they brought employees into it and they said, what are your, what are the top priorities for us to work on holistically across the business? Uh, and surprise, surprise, it went completely against the expectation of what the senior HR, and the VP of HR were expecting. <laughs> that was amazing. In fact, they, they suspected technology would be top of the list. It was actually bottom of the list. It, it mattered very little to employees what technology they were using, as long as they, they had, it was good enough to do the job, essentially. Yeah, I think technology is an interesting one, right? Because we have this very disjointed experience as a, in a as a professional and then as a consumer. And, you know, I, I, I talk about this a lot, about this consumer experience and, you know, outside of work, how we use tech and, and the, fri- the frictionless approach we have of tech tends to be very different to once we go into work and then we have this very clunky f- kind of high friction frustration tech in place and i think you've got you've got a couple of companies like maybe it's workday who their hr system seems a little bit more a little bit more fresh and say other experiences what i've been through especially in the initial you know when they, you know the initial onboarding stage i guess yeah i mean that's a trend within the trend as well because we're seeing uh, so the global players, so multinational corporations, you know, many thousands of employees, they're starting to get braver and bolder within their decisions, which is good news for the economy, I think, because all, all of a sudden you've got all these small players or start, startups that have got an excellent product, uh, but they'd be overlooked in favor of, of some of the bigger, the bigger platforms and technology providers out there. But they're getting a piece of the pie now, which I think is good, because what they're doing is trying to innovate and serve the employee experience better. And that goes right across the whole journey from onboarding to the candidate to the L&D uh, experience. Uh, and I think people have been surprised by some of the decisions. There's been you know, these really big organizations saying, well, we want to do things differently. And we can only do that if we bring in um, different providers who, are, who have a somewhat different take and, and they've developed a technology which is more intuitive, seamless, and, and connects to all the other platforms that they have within the business. It's, it doesn't do any good to walk into a, a workplace and have 200 different apps for a million different things. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I think connecting that and getting that started is, is, a, is a big priority, certainly for the bigger companies. Smaller companies, um, maybe not so, there's not so much urgency around that, but I think getting in place a, a good system or good tech from from the early days is a, is a good thing to do in any case yeah no definitely and i think it, it is that thing it's kind of that scalable kind of does it have an element of collaborate collaboration you know is it is it just easy to use as well is, is massive right you know yeah, it's, it's funny we, we still manage i don't know about you but you know, sometimes i have so many different virtual meetings and i do digital coaching for executives uh, i do the employee experience practitioner programs and much of that is delivered online. And, uh, you know, but sometimes you get in so many different meeting requests from all these, okay, we're going to Zoom today. We're going to Skype tomorrow. We're going to WeChat the other day. We're going to, we're going to use Slack. We're going to, do, uh, 
you know, even for individuals, I think it's hard to manage. And if you lose sight of what's really important, you can get lost in this stuff. Yeah. And that's why I talk about, you know, all of this, when all said and done, is here to serve the human beings within the organization to help us become as productive as we can be. And I think sometimes the technology takes over the conversation. It's about making the technology work uh, as opposed to the humans. So I guess who, who, who are the people who, you know, again, you know, given your clients and whatnot and what you can talk about and what you can't talk about, Ben, but who are the clients other than maybe the Australian company which you just mentioned, who are the people who you see kind of getting this right and, and just, yeah, just being the kind of the trailblazers on this, I guess? I've been to so many organizations and I've got an encyclopedia that I've collected from around the world from uh, a lot of these different countries. It would depend which market you're talking about because I think there's there's different levels of maturity. So I've been to places like Belgium, Israel, the US, Australia, Singapore, China, and on all these places, they're in very different positions with employee experience. Uh, some are very well warmed up. Uh, others, um, it's, it's, there's some lag behind. Um, in the UK, who am I, am I talking about? Uh, I like some of the the high growth companies, the ones that are really kind of ripping out the employee handbook, as it was in terms of how they build a, an organization. Companies like Huel and uh, Brewdog and uh, Gymshark, I think I, I like some of those. On a bigger scale, we are looking at some of the tech firms. Microsoft have been doing some exceptional work on employee experience uh, across what is a, a very diverse and global organization and with many footprints. Consulting firms are always up there, as you would expect, uh, in terms of early adoption. So I think there's been some good examples coming from, from their internal employee experiences. Uh, but the thing about employee experiences, we're seeing examples from right across different sectors now. It doesn't matter what sector you're in, everyone has the opportunity to uh, elevate their engagement outcomes, which is fantastic. And I think there's some research out that has just kind of proven that point in practice. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, what you're focused on, what sector you're in. You all have the ability to create a really exceptional brand experience that serves the humans, but also your shareholders or societal stakeholders as well. So, so I guess kind of, you know, when we look when we look at say the employee experience, and let's just let's look at the life cycle and whatnot. Mm. One of the one of the biggest things we see, and maybe it's in the attraction and getting them in for an interview. Um, I, I'll talk about my experience. Actually, this might help. So, my experience, yeah. what I've had in the past, is the job title or the job spec or the job description is never like it's full of lots of lots of made up words. Well, not made up words, but overly used words when really it could have probably been wrapped up in a in a sentence. Um, once you go in there, we can you know you kind of promise the world, you promise a unicorn, and actually what you end up getting is a, is a, a horse with a party hat on. And, you, and you, you kind of just sat there going, well, this wasn't the thing what I thought. And then, you you know, you go through this whole stress of, you know, the interviews and whatnot. So how how do we fix that initial stage? Because, I mean, that's one what's not necessarily near and dear to me, but I think it's one what people can relate to very quickly and very easily because they've probably gone through many interviews and whatnot. But how do we fix that old approach? Uh, yeah, and it's crazy if you're promising things that you can deliver on the inside. And it often comes out of the candidate experience. You know, I've had some dreadful candidate experiences early in my career um, to the point where I walked out of, of several interviews because I just didn't 
didn't like what they were doing, and I, I thought they were very rude within the process. I was junior, um, you know, I had nothing behind me at that stage, but I still think you deserve to be treated and respected through that process. And and also, if they're making promises that they can keep. You know, I've been in situations where I've said, are you serious about doing some great organizational development work? And uh, you can tell they're, they're not really that serious. It's just more lip service. So I think fixing that at CEO level is, is a big challenge. Um, because I think CEOs will dictate a lot of the, the approach and your employee experience and customer experience will largely be a reflection of your, your top team and CEO. So I think that's the biggest challenge, uh, changing the, the mindset and the ability of the top team to really lead this. Because um, <clears throat> the great thing about employee experience is not, it's not just a, it's not a HR thing. Uh, likewise, it's not a marketing or comms thing or uh, an estates thing. It's not about the quality of the workplace you have. It's about all of that. And it needs to be learned strategically um, across and throughout the business, which is big difference between other approaches, which have been more you know, top-down, organization-centric. So this really does change the game in that respect. Actually, operationally going in and fixing some of the candidate experience, well, for me, it starts with telling the truth. It sounds like a very, very simple thing, but tell the truth to your pr prospective employees. Share the truth with them. If you're not this old singing and dancing startup that's well-funded and, you know, it's about creating the picture of reality. What is, what is it that's going to attract uh, the people that, that you want to bring into your business? And sometimes the truth will be, you know, quite harsh to some, some people. When you're living your values, those values may not resonate with everyone, but they will resonate with your target audience. So I think being more truthful throughout the candidate experience, uh, making sure you're, you're promising what you deliver and that on day one, you're not, you haven't realized that you've signed up to a completely different organization than the one that was sold to you. So values, I think, is a big thing. We're seeing the, the you know, resurgence of values-based uh, interviewing. So moving away from culture fit to values, yeah. Are we are we aligned? Are we being authentic? Are we are we uh, moving forwards with similar values? I think is really really important. So I guess I I have a, a love hate affair with values and behaviours, um, and I'm not sure whether it's a, I have a love hate affair of values and behaviours or a love hate affair of how I've seen them rolled out. I think <laughs> I think it's the last the latter rather than the first because. Here's the thing, right? Here's my experience of values and behaviors. Business says, hey, these are our top five values and here's, here's behaviors, what underpin the values. Um, we're going to stick them up on a board and we're going to live by them. High five, everybody. High five. And then a week later, that then that board of values and behaviors becomes a part, becomes background because, you know, we've walked past it every day and it's it's not embedded. And, and it kind of becomes this thing of, Actually, by us having bringing people on with the same values, are we are we being diverse? Are we you know? And and also, I think one of the things with values is there's so much nuance between the values of of you know what I think maybe a values of bravery is is, is different to maybe what you think bravery is, and mm. and and I think it becomes this very grey area sometimes, and and a little bit challenging to kind of navigate. Is that fair to say, or or would you say actually I've just had a bad experience in life? 
No, we, we are the residual of our experiences. So I'm not surprised you're saying those things because if you've encountered and experienced an employer that hasn't lived their values, you know, I, I remember the famous reception uh, piece on the wall at uh, Enron, which said honesty, integrity. <laughs> that didn't work out too well. <laughs> Uh, so we've all had these experiences, but when you walk into a human-centered organization focused on building a real, genuine community, that is very difficult to leave it, and it's very difficult to walk away from that. You know, so I've interviewed lots of people in the last couple of years about their experiences and the strength of the language when you've had one of these great experiences, and the the way that the values come through in the conversation dialogue. People using language like um, it was four years ago since I worked for this organization. But if they asked me to do something today, I would go back and I would run through walls for them. So there's been a deep connection there, which I think you can only facilitate through how you apply the values within the holistic employee experience. Now, the problem with most organizations is that they don't understand the connection between the values that they espouse at the strategic level and then how they oper operationalize them within the everyday experience. That's a big gap within the connection, and that's where most organizations fail. The ones that deliver better performance and better results on the human and business dimensions are the ones that get and harness and leverage um, that potential. So everything becomes an opportunity to amplify your truth within the organization. The values you have, you can experience them as you walk into a business, and you can experience them through the L&D program, through through everything that goes on. But there's also room for you to find your own truth as well. So what's your purpose? What's your mission? What's your values? And then how do they connect? Because largely, I don't know about you and how you make your choices, but I'm looking for organizations that share my values. You know, even in the clients we take on and some of the executive coaching clients, I'm still looking at the values. Um, you know, What's driving these people and how do they align uh, with this kind of bigger mission that we're on within play experience? Yeah, I think it is. It is that I think I've seen maybe values things like "don't be a dick." I'm like, really, is that <laughs> is that a great value? I'm not sure because it feels like that's just too open ended. It's too open ended. Like, you know, maybe maybe me having giving some direct feedback or receiving some, I could say, actually, that guy's being a dick. And actually, no, he's not. He's just being a clear, authentic leader and giving feedback. You know, in in the right moment. And it, it, I just, yeah, it's a, I think that's... Well, it's really interesting. And, you know, you look at uh, radical candor as, a, as an approach. Yeah. Um, would that work anywhere else apart from Bridgestone within that context? So this is a big thing. And I agree with you that the context matters for where you deploy these things and how you develop uh, the organization. You know, <laughs> so I had a masterclass in London last week and I, I put up that one of those slides around don't be a dick. And you can imagine what happened to the room. I did it at the UK Employee Experience Awards as well. That was four or 500 people. I'm just looking at the responses because you will get half of the room and say, yes, <laughs> I love that, wow, it's great. Uh, and then the other half would be like, that's completely inappropriate for the workplace. I don't know, well, you know what does that actually constitute? I don't know what that means. But that's okay, um, that's okay. It's for the organizations to prove in practice that they actually stand for that value and it runs through every single thing that they do. Now, if they can, they're not really being sincere about it. Yeah, I, I think it, going back to kind of what you mentioned a little bit earlier about this, 
you know, the CEO on the top, the top board. Actually, I think the CEO, you know, top down to the top, the top four, if you like, the, the top board of management. But from that point onwards, it needs to be this bubble up approach. Mm. And and I, I think you dropped that on on purpose just to get me swearing on them. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> If that's your headline now, this is completely and intentionally engineered. I just want to set on the record. <laughs> <laughs> ben Wizard says, "Don't be a dickhead." <laughs> I love it. I love it. But so, so, I, you know, I guess people who don't know kind of the stuff what you're up to, um, they need to get their ass in game and do that. But maybe you could tell us a little bit more about because, I guess. You, you've been you've been good to me, Ben. When I've asked you a question with employee experience or we've challenged stuff, you've always been there to kind of give me a bit of feedback, direct me and stuff. So, but maybe you could tell us a little bit more about this the world of um, employee experience institute and 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 what that's all about. Yeah, so we've been building um, uh, for the last year or so. Uh, I went after China, so I was in China for three years again, exploring the employee experience and working with organisations. Uh, uh, from there, uh, went on the tour. You know, usually people have a book to sell first and then they go on the world tour, whereas I've done the opposite where it because <laughs> I mean, what drove that was I wasn't entirely satisfied with what I've seen around employee experience. And I didn't think we were talking about the same things. So I wanted to find my truth and, and connect with people within organizations that were moving the employee experience agenda to really look at, you know, what is the research? What are practitioners um, across that different sectors, different size organizations. What are they doing and what are they saying? And how, how does that all align? So it's been a really challenging uh, couple of years because you know, some of my assumptions have been proved to be incorrect. And I put that down in the book. Uh, so there's some surprises around you know, what is employee experience. And that, that's been a key thing. So the World Employee Experience Institute is there to you know, reinforce our message and, and help share our research and our work. Uh, through our practitioner training programs and masterclasses and keynote talks, uh, but also now uh, certifying people around employee experience. So working with them uh, very closely uh, to uh, to kind of share our model for employee experience and develop them within the context of it. So that's what we're we're doing now, um, and it's been a fascinating journey. Simultaneously writing a book, trying to build two two brands, <laughs> and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. So, so I guess kind of, I want to maybe change context a little bit and, and actually, you know, when, when we go for interviews, we're told we've got to show this best version of ourselves and we tell, you know, time and time we've done X, Y, Z and basically blow smoke up your own backside. But actually, I think the better question is, is time and time a failure? And actually, if I was to ask you what your failure resume looks like, what what one jumps out on, on your failure resume, Ben? What's... What's one thing what jumps out? Maybe it's an maybe it was a time where, in the moment, it seemed like a big failure, but in the end, it ended up being this this positive outcome. Outcome. I guess. Yeah, well, that's the perfect interview answer, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it was a big failure, but through my tenacity and resilience, <laughs> we won gold at the Olympics. <laughs> I'm not sure it works out like that. I think this is what I talk about within employee experience. I mean, if we're in the business of crane happy workplaces with happy people who are always smiling and i don't think we're really focused on employee experience because the reality is employee experience is about human beings and uh life just isn't like that it's life is a bit of a roller coaster and it's up and down 
So for me, it's it's been taking the ups with with the downs and, and making sure I learn and grow through some of the challenges. Uh, failure wise, I don't. Yeah, you know, I think the way I work is reference points. So I'm looking for reference points that are either positive or develop uh, or develop me in some way. So it's you know, what are the positive reference points? Am I collecting enough of those to give me evidence that I'm on the right track in terms of fulfilling my purpose? And then the, the development stuff. I think if you're not making any mistakes and you're not you know failing, then I, I don't think you're trying that hard. Um, so there's been some experiments we've been doing. Uh, or engaging people in, in our work, uh, that's ongoing. Uh, but the other thing for me was, I think the biggest one was moving to China. So I took a, a bit of a risky decision to uproot and go to China. And the first year, I must say, was, was a real challenge, uh, getting to understand uh, the context, the culture, the nuances, the differences, all of that stuff within uh, what is a really um, interesting place to work. So that was that was interesting, but then year two, year three, um, you know, we we looked, we explored, I explored, uh, and developed within the context of that, and then lo and behold, we started delivering great results. So I think that was a big learning curve moving to another country. I've done it several times, but China was uh, was a big one. But you know, that's worked out really well. Um, I've been back there this month, uh, well, last month now, and at Christmas. So my relationships are. Are growing and, and we're getting stronger there all the time awesome awesome okay then so let's pretend then you've got a stadium and you've got a billboard outside the stadium and <laughs> this stadium is gonna a million fans are gonna come out of this stadium okay and we're all gonna see your billboard what's a message billboard? yeah like a, what's a that? um it's like a you know a big a big post where you put posts on you know like when you like in when you see the new mo- a new film is coming out of the pictures, oh, right. yeah, 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 and um, and basically, you can shape a million people's minds. What would you put on that billboard? Maybe it's a message, maybe it's an image. What what would you put on there? Ooh, that's a good one. Live your truth. Okay, okay. Why, why that one? Because I think for the the past few years, I've been down the rabbit hole of employee experience, and I've been interested in, in looking at you know what is employee experience within the context of organisations, but also what is experience within the context of of our life on this planet. And I think you know having purpose is one thing, and I think that's great. You know, I found my purpose when I was twenty five. I know exactly the moment when I found it. And then I started to believe in it and live it. But the problem is I didn't know how to live that purpose. So I think that was an interesting one for me. So the, the purpose, yeah, you, you start with why till the cows come home. But if you don't know how to live that purpose and fulfill it on a daily basis, then you're going to run into a lot of trouble and you're not going to be able to kind of get back up at some of these, these stages. So I think having a mission and living your values uh, in the way that you build the relationships and everything else is really quite important. And that, to me, becomes your truth. So are you, do you have a purpose? Are you fulfilling your purpose? Do you have a mission within the context of that purpose? And are you developing and cultivating the right values that will serve the, the mission and the purpose? So that, that, come, that becomes your truth. And then the secret is to live it. 
you know, to take risks, to be bold, courageous, to put yourself out there and stand for something on this planet whilst you're here. I think this is what a lot of people don't do. And I think if we can encourage more people, the one million people in the stadium to do that, then I think it's going to be uh, a great outcome. Okay. Lovely answer. Lovely answer. Okay. Um, if I was to ask you, you have to give a gift of a book to five people, and maybe this book could be something what you've read and it shaped your whole mindset or it's completely challenged you, and you have to give this book as a gift to five people, what book would you give? And it can't be your own because I don't want that to be a spoiler <laughs> yeah, just yet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get into that with you in just a sec. But yeah, it can't be your role. Book, I guess. Um, see, I'm a big fan of Self-Reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Um, that was one that shaped my early thinking. Uh, some of his essays within that book are really quite good. Uh, so that's a look at. And then the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin is another one. Um, I think that is one book that influenced me more than any other, I've got to say. And it, I... I still remember it pretty much word for word uh, today in the way that he developed his life and made an impact. And even some of the methodologies and early organizational development approaches he used to deliver what was a, a successful uh, life for him. So I think those are, those are two, Ralph Waldo Emerson and uh, Benjamin Franklin autobiography. Cool, cool. Okay, okay. I'll add them to my reading list for sure. So, let's get into your book, because obviously you've got a book coming out in August, am I right in saying that, Ben? Yeah, August 3rd in the UK, August 28th worldwide. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so maybe, yeah, tell us a little bit about this book, kind of where this idea come from, what's, what's been going on, and, and without giving too much away, because obviously people need to buy the book, what, yeah, kind of give us a bit of a, a whistle-stop tour and, and how you kind of come up with this, this what is, I'm assuming is going to be a lovely book. Yeah, so this is um, an outcome of the research I've been doing um, for the last few years on employee experience. So it includes you know, some of the, the household names in employee experience, uh, Airbnb and SAP and, and others. Um, we're really focused on you know what is employee experience because I don't think this question has been fully answered yet. So I just wanted to understand more and go deeper into employee experience across the economy rather than just in, say, multinational organizations or certain sections of the economy. So I've looked at, you know, charities, I've looked at large organizations. So it kind of converges around creating this new lens for employee experience. And, and that's a major outcome of, of the book, which is, you know, the, the vision that we have for, for employee experience. Uh, yeah, that's actually a kind of short summary. Uh, there's some surprise in that. Uh, I surprised myself with, with um, where we ended up with research and the dialogue and the discussions. Uh, but yeah, for me, I, whenever I go to these conferences, I'm invited to speak. Everyone's surprised that I, I, I don't turn up with a book to sell. <laughs> so I kind of figured that it was about time I put some thoughts down out there and um, let's see how they do. Cool. Yeah, so that's a, a big part of it as well. So obviously, you know, I know I know a couple of authors and they say kind of how the book becomes like it's like having a, it's like a child and mm-hmm. it becomes this 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 pro- project of love. Um, so this question might be a bit of a tricky one to answer. But which which of the chapters within your book was your was your most favourite to to write? Or actually, let's rephrase that. Which of them, the chapters was the most your most favourite to read back on? Take that wherever you want, Ben. Uh, again, I, I, I'm, a, I'm very much a practitioner 
so I like I like the cases. So we've got some deep cases from uh, you know some companies that will surprise some people, uh, and as I say, some um, very established and mature employee experience organizations. So I, li- I like the cases. I like going into the the depth of you know how they're practicing employee experience and some of the things they focused on to develop great employee experience strategies that are actually really delivering amazing results. And I, I kid you not, these results are astonishing um, that we're seeing. And it could be an Airbnb, it could be uh, companies in Asia that are just, you know, there's something very different about this employee experience approach. Um, I also get, I'm privy to lots of research that gets sent to me and our own internal research as well. And the outcomes are, are really quite sensational. And this is why I'm saying anyone's talking about employee experience as a new buzzword. They just really don't understand employee experience, so they haven't seen enough research about the impact it has. Cool, cool. So obviously you, you've done, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, you've done lots of publications and stuff. But mm. but what was the hardest challenge for you writing this book? Uh, hardest challenge? I think, uh, you know, every person who decides to put the thoughts down on paper and, and put something out there, I think sometimes when you come to write, you have to sit down and just think about the way you want to communicate certain ideas. So I think that was an interesting process to go through. Uh, and then working on the feedback, making sure you're you're communicating the ideas that you want to you want to put out there and stand behind. Uh, so getting to that point, that was a challenge because uh, certain you know it could be nuances in sentences that, that mean something completely different, or it could be a view that isn't expressed as, as good as it could be. So I just wanted to make sure, and this is where the challenge comes in, uh, that you're getting across everything that you wanna you wanna stand behind for for the rest of your life essentially, because that's how long a book's gonna be out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm comfortable, so you know I'm, I'm very comfortable, and I'll I'll 100% stand behind everything that I put in there. I think that's the point that most people want to get to. If I was 60, 50%, then you know I'd rethink the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very comfortable, and I've been sharing it with clients and, and the model for employee experience we present at some conferences. Starting to talk more about it as we get close to the launch day, and the response has been. Yeah, you know, it's been well, kind of overwhelming given how much time and effort you put into this. Uh, but the response has been great. One session in the Midlands of, of the UK last week was uh, the, the feedback by someone who came in quite skeptical, national HR director for a major uh, global brand. Uh, but he said, "This is something completely fresh, and it's totally unique." And you know, he, he fully got behind it. And I think seeing that was just incredible. Yeah. So it makes the challenge worthwhile, and I got through lots of cups of tea, I've got to be honest. <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of feedback, that's, I suppose that's kind of the most valuable kind of thing you can get from this, right? It's that knowing that the, the blood, sweat, and tears and the numerous cups of tea was, was definitely all worth it. But I guess, you know, with you, you knew that. And and, and for me, like I say, you're, you're kind of, for me personally, one of the people who are following, like, is, is just relevant interesting like say fresh but to get that from you know from from your conference in real time that must be that that must have been awesome mm. and the other thing i think for me it's been transformational because sometimes so i've been speaking at conferences around the world and i wasn't selling anything and i wasn't entirely clear on my personal vision and my connection to employee experience 
Uh, so I, I was the one that started kind of talking about it very early back in 2014-15. Talk about moving to experience. But I still wanted to go deeper in you know, what is it that's really making an impact? Um, what is it that if we focus on it, we can really make some you know massive moves quite quickly? So that's where I wanted to get to. But now, um, yeah, another piece of feedback from the HRD Summit at Amsterdam, um, I think that was last week, a guy came up to me, again, very well-respected brand and director, and he said, you were very congruent up there. And I think anyone who studies psychology and NLP will understand the power of congruency. Um, so that that was another reference point that I kind of took from him. Is, and Okay, good. The message is strong. Yeah. Yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. I think it's, it's interesting. And I guess, for, you know, when we look at, say, potentially your, your, your audience of readers and stuff, is it fair to say that someone who's new to employee experience versus someone who's maybe been doing it without knowing who's doing it or, or kind of new to the game? I take it, it you, the book is kind of for everybody then. Is that, is that a fair assumption? Across the economy. So I'm, I'm making the case that if you take uh, this employee experience approach, you, you can see some of the outcomes that these market-leading companies are delivering in practice. So it doesn't come down to cost. It doesn't come down to technology. It doesn't come down to scale. It comes down to where you focus your efforts and how you design the employee experience, uh, not even from end-to-end, -end, although you know, that's terminology I still use and, and is well used, this end-to-end -end experience. But the reality is the experience never, never ends. It just doesn't end because we're talking about companies. I'm still talking about an interview I had when I was something like 25 uh, for a part-time HR officer role. Uh, at an organization which they delivered a masterclass in how you deliver an interview process and a candidate experience. Now, this was a charity, but they were just so focused on making sure anyone who came into contact with their organization had a, had a positive experience that I still use it as best, best practice. And, uh, you know, that was one of the best experiences. And I've worked in global organizations where it wasn't as good or anywhere near as good as that, um, the experience that they provided. And it comes down to the simple things, how you treat people, how you respect people, uh, how you treat people like human beings when they come into contact with you. I think these things are more important than ever before, given the rise of technology and all the uncertainty and all the rest of it. So these are, yeah, big things. Yeah, and I think kind of, I think experiences, they have an exit, but they have an extension and, you know, I, I kind of I talk about this kind of you know even even your when you when you leave a business you know if you're lucky to get an you know an exit interview there's there's problem number one I guess but afterwards like there's, there's a real value to to that can be a real positive experience you know build an Illumina kind of have them be an active active voice for your brand even though they're not there this is turning potential dips or or average points into really high things and. And still having that extension of that brand, and I guess talking, you know, when you talked at the beginning about, you know, if a company rang someone up and said they'd run through walls from them, that's the difference, right? That's the even though you're mm. leaving, it's and this sounds really cliche, it's not a goodbye, it's a I'll see you later kind of deal, and that's what it feels like, you know, with this yeah. extension. Yeah, I made the point last week, like the the contract may come to an end, but the relationship will continue indefinitely. Because we'll all be we'll always be talking about experiences, you know. Every time I run some kind of keynote or, or 
coaching session. We're talking from experience. And, you know, it's amazing how often people go to those memorable experiences that made an emotional imprint on them. Uh, so in Barcelona a few weeks ago, uh, I, I, I just throw out the question, what's your most memorable experience? Now, you can take that where you wish, but I didn't give them any instructions. And someone came up with a very positive experience, and they shared that with you know, 100 people in the room. Again, very good for that brand, whichever brand it was. Uh, but then equally, uh, one of our colleagues came up with another example, which was you know, completely negative to the point that this guy left as a result of the experience that he had with his manager. So, and you know, he shared that quite willingly with 100 people. So that brand impact is, is going to be even stronger as time passes because as humans, we like to reflect on, on our experiences and somewhat amplify them, uh, sometimes over-exaggerate uh, in the context of the conversation or the way that we're referring people or communicating with fellow human beings. So, yeah, the relationship will continue. So then I guess this kind of leads me on to the next question then. So, so what do you see the future of employee experience being um and yeah i guess i don't want to kind of put any more weight to that question where do you see it going where do you see you know yeah what in five years maybe five ten years i don't know take it wherever you want to go with that one ben so i think we'll see uh, an initial increase in in the use of technology across the, the whole journey the employee journey um, but then i think eventually we'll see we'll see a, uh, you know a, a return to to the humans uh, so I think some people will be running off and uh, kind of finding and buying the technology to deliver more interactive or, or seamless experience. But I think a big driver of that is efficiencies and, and scale as well. So I think there'll be something around technology and and the way humans interact with each other so that they, they must be in balance. So I think organizations, certainly multinationals, will be focused a lot on that, how they balance the online with the offline and make sure they're focused on the entire holistic journey as opposed to just the technology experience. So I think that's theme number one. I think theme number two is around uh, really embracing this, this human centricity within organizations as well. Uh, again, we'll see, we'll see more organizations looking at the entire employee journey. Uh, I think that will continue as more cases and more evidence and more uh, PR outcomes uh, come in. This is really good for business. So we'll see lots of uh, organizations uh, trying to establish their own um, compelling employee journey, uh, which is differentiated from others in their sector. Whether you're a charity or a multinational, you need to stand out and differentiate yourself in the marketplace. And I think that's where people will be focused within their employee experience. So how do we deliver a positive experience, but a differentiated one? And I think organizations will be using people analytics a lot more skillfully and intelligently uh, to do that and then advances in AI and, and technology uh, will be able to really measure some of the, 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 the outcomes based on specific business drivers within employee experience. So that's another thing. Uh, you know, things like organizational network analysis and other things now are, are really starting to mature and once they're fused into the employee experience approach, uh, again, we'll start to see big wins for, for companies. Uh, in really short periods of time, I think the turnaround on some of this work is is really quite exceptional if you have the right data in place as well. So, I guess one of the things which recently I put out a, a post, an article, and then 
I read an article from, I can't remember who it was from now, it was talking about how every company should have a chief experience officer. And <laughs> actually it's today when I looked, when I was doing a bit of research before this podcast, I was like, Ben's got chief experience officer. I've never even noticed that. And it's one of the things where <laughs> I've had that, read that and gone, all oh, my days. But, you know, for me, I design experiences. That's how I've always de- defined what I do. I define ex- experiences, I design them, and you it's wherever you want to take that experience or, you know, put it in whatever category, learning, employee, customer, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's my, That's been my career, really. But I guess how maybe for for our listeners and and people who are a little bit like me kind of struggling to find that identity because they're quite general in how they design experiences and not necessarily niche down to employee or customer or whatever Mm. how does someone become the next ben how does someone become the next chief experience officer for me there's a there's a few different routes to get there these days employee experience has really opened up the type of person you can attract to become a chief X officer or, or chief CX officer. Uh, so I think, yeah, all is to play. I get called by headhunters asking how they should design the job descriptions for chief employee experience officers. And the advice I'm giving to them is very much grounded in, uh, you know, where is the focus and mindset and where's the evidence that they've been demonstrating a real sensitivity and empathy with the experiences that people have in work. And that could be from any background, really, in terms of product. Uh, it could be brand experiences, customer experience, the technology experience, uh, the employee experience more generally. So I think, it, yes, it's all to play for, though. And the chief employee experience officer, it's, it's surprising how many people are coming from uh, non-traditional backgrounds, whether that's marketing, communications, or HR. Uh, there's a lot of commercial leaders coming into those chief X roles, uh, which is really good. So if you're developing a a good portfolio, a good range of experiences within experience and and design and also design at the operational stage, but also the strategic piece as well. So again, some strategic accountability for elements of the experience, I think is is great to have uh, within your your locker. Um, But for me, yeah, I'd love to see lots of different people coming into uh, the chief experience roles Uh, because that's where you get some great ideas. They look at, you know, you have the ability to look at things really fresh and see the the pain points um, with new eyes and to innovate in a different way. Uh, Whereas if they're all going from one function, I think that, you know, there's an element of, uh, uh, we're not getting some of the best ideas in there. Yeah. um it's interesting. I've probably been designing a flow for probably the last three and a half years on, on how to design these experiences. And mm. I, I think the, the three biggest points without going into detail is this human-centered design, this experience mm-hmm. design, and this understanding awareness of consumer-grade experience within the tech world. I like the way you position that. I like. I love the way you position that because that's very similar to my point of view on this because there's no point trying to turn employees into internal customers because I, I just think it's the wrong paradigm. It's the wrong, it's the wrong lens because customers, they will take their money elsewhere and they've gone. Employees have a contract. They have a deeper level of relationship. So I think you're absolutely right to say something like it's about giving them consumer grade experiences rather than all oh, employees as consumers. Cause I don't think that's matching the reality of what we're seeing in the research where people really, um, 
get the employee experience approach. It's very much, you know, employees are co-producers within the journey. And and actually, they're, they're co-accountable for the outcomes within the employee experience and the customer experience. Uh, so, yeah, I like that. That's good. So, so if I was to say to Ben, explain what you do to a five-year-old, how would you explain it? Well, I, I help deliver positive experiences in work. Okay, okay. The next one, and this can you can take this as deep or as light as you want, Ben. <laughs> do do you even like yourself? Do I like myself? Yeah, generally yes. It's, it'd be very difficult to do what I did if I didn't, you know, stand on a stage or you know, put my opinions out there. If you didn't like who you were, I think that's that's even trickier to do. Uh, so, yeah, I think generally, yes. Um, other elements I'd like to improve? Well, human, so of course. I think we're all imperfect. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in a good place with that. Perfect, perfect. So if I was to say to five, five resources, everybody should either read, look at, podcast they subscribe to, to get into this employee experience and understanding how to design these experiences, what five resources would you recommend? And you can use your own stuff here as well, Ben. I feel like you should. Uh, number one, employee experience by Ben Witcher. Yes. 20% discount for your listeners, very special discount. Uh, use code MrX at coganpage.com forward slash X. And uh, your listeners can get 20% off. So that's, that's number one. Number two, uh, benwitter.com was always useful. Uh, three, worldeeinstitute.com. So we're developing our practitioner and team programs uh, through the World Employee Experience Institute. And then uh, number five, everything. Everything around you is is cultivating who you are and, and what you have the potential to do in life. So I would be open-minded around the way you view experiences, the way you view interactions you know, walking into your town or, or going to the shop or being served by someone or serving someone else. I think just really tune into the experiences and and be with the people who you're who you're working with and uh, who you're you know having an experience with. I think that's where a lot of my learning has come from working with employees and, and understanding humans. Uh, so having a genuine curiosity for the interactions that you have and reflecting on them, I think is a great thing to do. Awesome. Who, what free, who would you recommend? Maybe it's free people. Everybody should follow on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Um, not really sure. Um, I think for this, I don't know. I'm more interested in um, an organization's context. I'd, be, I'd certainly be following your CEO. I think that's number one. Um, your HR director, that's still number two in, in the context of where employee experience is at. In the future, it could be a chief employee experience officer or, or your marketing director or brand director or chief experience officer. But yeah, certainly some of those figures. But I would focus on the organizational context um, initially. I think that's, as a practitioner, that's where I'm focused. Uh, and with clients, I do the same. So it's focused on some of the senior leadership. What are they focused on? 
you know, what are the values, what are the priorities, I'd go after those as opposed to external uh, thought leadership, to be honest. I'd be focused really on, on, on the context. Awesome. I love, I love the way you took that question and that was, that's awesome. So, so I guess Ben, right at the start of the session, I can't, of a session, of a call. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Is this turned into a session? But can I send you an invite? <laughs> so, <laughs> so right at the start of the, um, of the call, we, we, I asked you kind of, you know, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? And as you know, we're constantly learning, we're constantly developing. So if I was to ask that question, Ben, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would you say now? inspiring okay and i think that that's that's very open because you can be inspiring anywhere you are but i think to inspire people with what you do and the impact you have and and some of the things that you 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 get to work on i think that's always a good aspiration uh, when i found what i wanted to do which was fully enough work in hr initially um so i, I went and got a master's and then uh, i practiced for a, a long time uh, it was all about making a, a dent or making an imprint or inspiring someone. So I think that that's always a good aspiration wherever you are. I agree. I agree. Beautiful. So, Ben, where can people kind of, you know, if you want to find out what, what Ben's up to um, and, and the stuff, what you're doing and where you're traveling and whatnot, and where can we find the book? Where where can we go to keep keep in touch with you and the stuff what you're up to? Uh, so LinkedIn is always a good place to find me. Um Twitter, uh, less so, but I'm, I'm starting to get more active there. Uh, for any international uh, colleagues in Asia, I'm on WeChat. I, I use that quite frequently. Um, those are the, I would say, the main places. And if you have any follow-up questions as a result of this, you can feel free to uh, drop me an email, ben at worldeeinstitute.com. Uh, I will always reply. Um, there may be slight delays, but I will, I will always reply. Awesome, Ben. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, I really enjoyed it and uh, thanks for the great questions. No problem there. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Cheers. Bye-bye.